and the rest of us, let's open up to the book of James. If you weren't here last week, I recommend you uh, check out the first week's historical background, all that stuff on James, quite a brother in the Lord, literally the half-brother of Jesus Christ, um, wore out his knees praying, and uh, was thrown from the top of the pinnacle of the temple, hit the ground, didn't die, and uh, they beat him, and while they were beating him, he was praying out, he was crying out, Lord, forgive him. Just like Jesus on the cross. Amazing, amazing man. Same James that earlier was following Jesus, just basically saying he's out of his mind. But when that resurrection happened, his life got turned upside down. That very brother of his, he starts out the epistle here and he says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't even call himself a brother, a servant. That word bondservant we talked about last week, that, that idea, it's kind of like the indentured servants of the colonial American period. When we take our, well, when they take in, in the Old Testament here, you can see it in, I think, Leviticus 15, when you willingly gave your services to someone for a period of seven years, I will be your slave for seven years. I have no rights. All my rights are now yours. I give up my life, everything I want, I aspire to, everything I desire is no longer mine. It's for your glory and for whatever you want. And if the master was willing, he'd go, all right, put his ear against the doorpost and, you know, knock an all through it and he would be it. Uh, you know, his guy. Well, at the end of seven years, actually, sorry, at the end of that seven years, the owner was to let him go free. Say, hey. You're free to go. And here's some of my flock, and he was to totally bless them. And it's to be a remembrance of Israel of how they were in bondage, and God took them out and blessed them. And so, at the end of that time, if the servant wanted to stay with this master, if he liked him, if he loved him, that's when he would take his, he'd say, hey, listen, for the rest of my life, I'm yours. Not just for these seven years, forever, I'm yours. Go ahead and take me. And then that's when they would actually put his ear against the thing and nail it through. And he'd become the bondservant. And so you see James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, totally gone. I'm no longer living, but Christ in me, everything I do, everything I, I live for is his. And we see that with Timothy. We see that for Paul. We see that from all the apostles. That's what they desire to be, is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Because they realized that if they held on to this life, that they would lose it. But if they let it go, that they would truly live. And so James is speaking to the twelve churches scattered among the nations. He says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now notice he says, he doesn't say, you know, make, I hope you feel like it's pure joy. He says, consider it, reckon it, pure joy. And he tells you why. He says, because, my brothers, when, that word brothers is brothers and sisters in the Greek, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Trials. When we come into trials, anyone having trials this morning? Prayer requests, I just heard a bunch of them. And being the pastor of a church, you kind of get a cross-section of everybody's life that not everybody else hears. There are trials going on this morning. 
There's a lot of warfare going on. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of failure. There's a lot of, Lord, we just need you. Listen, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, because these trials that you are in, they have the opportunity in them to do this. Three things. They test your faith. Number one, the testing of your faith. What does the testing of your faith do? It reveals areas of unbelief in your life. It reveals where we truly are. We say that we love someone, but when it comes down to it, it really reveals what's going on in our hearts. If you love me, Jesus said, you will what? Obey my commandments. This is my commandment, that you love one another. So we see this over and over and over again in Scripture. Faith is produced. It's, it, the evidence of faith is in our actions towards God. And that's the, 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 the crux of James. And trials are to show us whether or not we're going to follow after the Lord. Lord, I really wasn't trusting you in that situation. It reveals, it shows us where we are. That's why I love the church. It's a safe place to fail. We are going to fail in trials. Amen? But the cool thing about it in Christ, we don't get our noses rubbed in it. It's a marker. Boom. This is where I failed. And then when you fail the next time, oh, look how much I've grown. Look at the Lord's done in me. Or, whoa, I'm failing backwards here. Need to pick it up. It's markers in Christ. You know, when I was... Uh, going through, uh, you know, Bible education, whatever you want to call it, there was an area there I got an F in a class. You're like, what? Yes. I, you know, straight A's basically, don't worry. And then uh, an area where I got like a C, D, and F. And then bump back up, yes. To be straight A's, just to let you know. Um, but that area in my life, I could go back and have it expunged, but I left it there as a memorial to what was going on in my life at the time. We just had Ruth. There was some, it was a hard time in my life. And I wasn't doing so hot. Wasn't walking right with the Lord, you know. My wife was, you know, dealing, juggling with two kids for the first time. Any of you mothers relate? Probably not. <laughs> of course. But it reminded me. Man, what a trial. What failure in my life. But what the, what's, the, what's the Lord done since then as I look back? How he's, I've had victory and how He has taken me from that situation is, and has is, is done various things in my life to mature me, to encourage me. He didn't leave me down there. And yes, I stepped up and I grabbed hold of Him, but really the Lord was dragging me all along. It was quite an adventure. But he's saying, look at these situations. They're going to test your face. Any of you in a trial this morning, some of us have, and I love how he says various trials. When you face trials of many kinds, like I said, the 31 flavors of trials last week. You know, some of us are physical, some of us are emotional, some of us are, you know, mental, relational. I mean, some of us are all at once. You know, some of us get a triple scoop, whatever. I mean, this goes crazy. Various trials of many kinds. No, the purpose of the trials is to test your faith. 
In God's economy, faith is the most precious thing. Listen here. This is important. In God's economy, faith is more precious. Because things, as James will get into in a few minutes ago, he talks about the rich and the poor. Monetary things are going away. These chairs will burn. Our bank accounts will exist no longer. The things that we strive for on this earth will be shaken. And the only thing that will, will last is the things that cannot be shaken. Faith. In Revelation, we'll get there eventually. You read it. And what is, what is this, really quickly. Just what does it say the streets of gold are paved in? What are we supposed to be buying right now? Hedge against inflation with... Hedge against inflation with faith. It's all going down. Buy gold, buy gold, buy gold. You know, I understand that there's some wisdom in these things. Temporally. Okay, that's the temporal thing. But we want to have an eternal perspective as well. Yes, be wise stewards of the Lord, the things the Lord's given us. He's given those, those parables for a reason. That if we can't take care of earthly things, how are we supposed to understand and comprehend spiritual things? Correct? So I'm not giving a, you know, inflation speech here and all that stuff. It's about that these things are going to go. Treat them as such. Anyways, a little sidetrack. Side but he says right here, faith. It's going to be tested. And it also develops perseverance. Perseverance or patience. That hoopamoni. That word, it's not a sitting on your tail waiting for God to do something. It's an active, that's what they call it, perseverance, patience. This, this, they're trying to take these two English words and throw them into one. You've got to choose one or the other. We just don't have the language for it. It's supposed to develop that perseverance in our lives. That we're supposed to, it's the idea of having that heavy weight upon us, yet we're still trusting the Lord. We're not trying to escape from it to the left or to the right. We trust that God's in this circumstance. And that's why he says this is very important. He wants to have us understand that it produces faith, produces perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. Lacking nothing. We see Christ under that tremendous weight, the tremendous pain, emotional agony, everything in Gethsemane. Lord, let this cup pass from me. But what did he say? But not my will, your will be done. I'm sorry, at that point I'm booking tickets. I am, I'm, I'm out of here. Not going to go through it. I don't need to do that. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord Jesus. And it's funny, as you look at different translations, it says, let, let perseverance have its work. And you see that, in, like I read last week in several different things, it says, let us look forward to Jesus Christ. Let us put off the flesh. Let us put on Christ. That there's an aspect in our lives when, that we have to let this happen. Otherwise, you're just getting crushed. That's boring. How many of you are just getting crushed today? You're so tired of it. How about letting this circumstance be an opportunity to create perseverance and patience in your heart 
and focus it towards the Lord. Lord, what are you doing through this? That's the attitude we should have. Lord, how can I become more like Christ in this circumstance that, is, that I can't get away from? How many of us are trying to escape from the trial that you're in? Going from one hurt to the next, one hurt to the next, going to relationship to relationship when God wants to, treat, to, te- to teach you something deep in your heart. Why do you keep going over there? You need to come to me. But God, if I, if, I, if I go to you, then I won't have, you know, I won't have kids or I won't be married and I won't, you know, blah, 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 blah. He understands that. He loves you. That's a very valid concern to him. He understands that. But in order for those things to, be, to click and to be right and to be good, he wants him to be first. Even if I don't give you these things, will you still love me? Even if you die at 33, un- without being married and nailed to a cross, and never, you know, ever had a family and all these types of things, will you still love me? Will you still do what I say? Am I more important than all these things? You see, these things are going away. Your marriage will go away. In heaven, there is no marriage. Does that mean God doesn't, didn't institute it? Yes, it's here, but it's a picture of Christ in the church. There's a lot of deeper teachings that we have here, but James is saying, get your eyes off the here and now and put them on the cross. Put them on the future that's, that's happening. Your faith is so important. I want it to be per- it's going to be tested. When it's tested, let that perseverance develop in your heart. Persevering in trials, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, lest you become discouraged in your souls. It goes on. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be complete, mature, lacking nothing. Complete meaning like Jesus, whole in Him. As we talked about last week. And now that we're in the middle of these trials and these weights are upon us, what do we need? Verse 5, anyone? If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Who, generously, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. Do you know that we have a lot of knowledge in our society, but we really lack wisdom? Remember, you can just find anything out about anything. I mean, it's at the tip of our fingers. It's so amazing. But how do we actually apply that in our lives? How does that knowledge... Is to be used in a circumstance. That's wisdom. And wisdom that comes from heaven is different than wisdom that comes from earth. Sometimes God will take something that is plain as day to us and say, no, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to go around them. Oh, but Lord, you know, the art of war says, no, I want you to go around them today. I want you to march around seven times in the city and, and first six times I want you to be quiet. But Lord, that doesn't make sense. Why don't we just attack them and pull down the walls and starve them out? This is what I want you to do. The wisdom that we need because we are children of God is not from the earth. It is from Him. It's a heavenly wisdom. And how many times do we just go straight to what we perceive as the answer? Straight to medication, straight to the doctor, straight to your best friend, straight to whatever. Now, obviously, 
you know, you're sick. The Lord's given us earth, you know, just plain old wisdom. Hey, take care of yourself. Start eating better. Trial in your life, financial, you know. Who are you going to go to? How about just bending your knee for 45 minutes and just saying, Lord, before I go to anyone, help. Help. Lord, I'm sick today. Help. Do you see what he says? If any of you lacks wisdom in a trial, what do you want to do? You should go to God who gives generously to all without finding fault. In other words, he wants to encourage you. It doesn't make a difference how many times you go to him. Keep coming. He gives generously, that word liberally. God is a liberal that way. Liberally loves to give. Wisdom. Remember King Solomon in the Old Testament, what did he say? I'll give you anything you want. What is it? Lord, I ask for riches. No. Lord, I ask for wisdom that I may govern these people properly that you've given me. And because of that, he gave him wisdom beyond any man on earth. And then he also, because of that, through that wisdom, blessed him in other ways. Wisdom, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. The scriptures teach. Do you fear the Lord today? Do you know that He has the answers for life and death in His hands? He has the answers for your situation in His hands this morning. Go to Him. And if He decides not to reveal the answer to you, it's in His wisdom. You must trust. If He allows you to suffer, know that He has the big plan and He, is, he has the wisdom. If He takes it away, it's because He sees fit. That's the benefit of being God, huh? But what we need to know about God is His heart and His love and His kindness towards His people as well. You know, parents, uh, how many are you going to let your kids feast on candy for hours upon hours upon hours? Why not? But it's the greatest thing on earth. I'm a kid. You're going to die young. You know? We have that perspective. He says, but when he asks, he gives a little thing. This is for us. When he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man and unstable that all he does. When we go to the Lord, he doesn't want a, a divided heart. He doesn't want you to have one fist in the gutter and one fist in the gold. He wants you all in. He wants his children to come in, come to him, right? And James will say in a second, so get rid of all that evil-mindedness and this double life that you have and come and live just for the Lord. Stop living for the world. Friendship with the world is enmity with God, the scriptures say. Live for Jesus Christ. Stand up and say, you know what? I'm not perfect, but Lord, I'm going to live for you today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Come and fill me. Day after day, lay down these things, crucify it, and follow the Lord. You know, I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that that is why few people are coming to Jesus Christ. Because the church isn't the church. We're good at potlucks, we're good at hanging out, we're good at social things, but when it comes, to, comes down to denying ourselves and following, your pastor included, Lord Jesus, help me, forgive me, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let me see the world as you see it. James is straight out. He's going to start knocking us upside the head. I don't like James this week. 
double-minded man. He's unstable in all he does. How many of you feel unstable in all you do? How many of you feel pulled in every single direction? Wouldn't it be neat if we could just be that bond servant and say, you know what? Okay, it's all gone. It's not mine anymore. It's yours, Lord. I'm living for you. That life of faith, I think it's attainable and possible. Does that mean we don't struggle with sin daily, momently? Yes, we do. But that thing, that recognition of Jesus, you're the answer, you're my life. I'm going to continually go back to you. And allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us, that's beautiful. That's another discussion. And he goes on. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised him to those who love him. We see that in Revelation, the crown of life, persevering. I guess this is where... uh, they get the persevering of the saints in Tulip, but uh, whatever. We follow Jesus. We look to Him, the author and finisher of our, lay, uh, of our faith. And at the end of our life, when it's all said and done, we'll be given the crown of life. And we'll throw it at His feet, I hope. All glory to you, Lord Jesus. All glory. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when his own, with his own evil, I'm sorry, by his own evil desires, and he's dragged away and he's enticed. This is very important. This is God 101. First of all, no one should say that God is tempting me. God does not tempt people. He tests people. There is a difference. And secondly, God cannot be tempted by evil. God cannot be tempted by evil. He's constant. He's in light. There's no shadow of turning with Him. He's light. In Him there is no darkness at all. Obviously this brings up deep theological questions that can't be answered in 10 minutes. Love to talk to you about it. I haven't figured it out yet. There are things about God that He has to say about Himself that we just cannot understand because we just don't have enough RAM. On that day we will. But it is a valid discussion, and these things should be discussed among brothers and sisters, but not in doubting, but in faith to seek. Lord, how is this so? God does not tempt knowing that, but each one is tempted when, by his own evil desires, he's dragged away and enticed. That word dragged away. It's a hunting term when he's lured snared away, and enticed, a fishing term. Something bigger on the other side, dangling that thing in front of you, enticed. How many of you have been lured away lately? How many of you are enticed that the grass is greener on the other side? What caused that? Back up, dragged away and enticed, right? Okay, well, yeah, that's what we focus on. By his own evil desires. There's this bugger called sin working in you. This evil thing since the time of Adam that just does not cease. And by our own evil desires that that dwell within us, that act themselves out, that play themselves out, we are lured away. We're enticed. There's an emotional need inside of us that needs to be met. And so, therefore, we go and we meet it. Instead of going to the Lord, 
Now, desire isn't necessarily bad. God's given us all functions in our hearts. We have basic desires, don't we? Do you want to stay cooped up in a five-by-five home? No, we want to go explore. We want to see the world. God's put that in us. Go. Be fruitful and multiply. Anybody want to have sex? Sorry, God gave that to us. Those are natural things. Relationships. Love. The need to be affirmed. These things are, are godly desires that God's given us. Now, he goes on and he explains. Listen. Now, we have these own evil desires within us that, are, that are, they warp those things. And, and when he is dragged uh, uh, I'm sorry, each one is tempted when he is, when he is dragged away by his own evil desires and enticed. Then, after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now, this is kind of crazy, but sin. Each of us faces powerful forces and pressures to sin. Amen? Any of us? My inherent weakness, you know, the daily pressures that we have. You know, God has given us resources stronger than any of those forces to combat them. You know, as I look back in Genesis, there's a thought of man created in the image of God. Mind, that part of us, that intellect, you know, that, that uh, basically kind of, maybe you could say it's the soul, or, or this, and that's kind of more the, that, that relates to one another. Our spirit, which relates to God, and then our flesh, the body, which acts out these things. You know, Adam and Eve, they were pretty good because they had their spirit alive in them. Before the fall, they were alive. They weren't ruled by these other desires and passions. They were ruled by the Spirit. When they sinned, they died. They died, their spirit died. And now what's left over to rule our lives? The stinking thinking life of the flesh. What do my emotions want to do today? What do my cravings want to do today? And so we go act upon them. And ding dong, Lord, help me, I'm a sinner. The Spirit works in our hearts. And His Spirit comes and fills us. And now we no longer have to live the life of the flesh, although there's the war going on. And this is what I say, is that we, we don't realize that Christ says, reckon it dead. Reckon that old way dead. Now, do I not struggle every day in the flesh? Yes, I do. Romans 6 through 10 talks about this war that's going on and on. But we don't even, the point I'm making is that we don't even realize sometimes that the Spirit of God is in us. And it's actually more powerful than this, that, that we can submit to the Holy Spirit in certain areas of failure. Is it tough? Is it like being crucified on the cross every day? Yeah. That's why Jesus says, hey, pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me today. Now, how many times do you drop your cross a day? <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> Whoa, left my cross at home all day. <laughs> Pick it up, deny ourselves, and follow him. But sin, it begins with lust. That strong desire, that evil desire, it's translated lust. Begins with lust, selfish desires. Each man is tempted when he is drawn away by his own lust. 
drawn away. I have certain desires in my life, and I want to fulfill them by my own methods instead of the Lord's methods. I want to go ahead of the Lord instead of seeking the Lord in this circumstance. Remember Abraham? God said he's going to give him a child, but he didn't. He decided to go, go ahead of the time. And he went and had, you know, Ishmael. How many of us want to have Ishmaels in our lives? Wait on the Lord. I'm trying to condense all this down into two minutes. It's just not working. But he says, anyways... When sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. You know, the very thing that we think that we're going to have freedom from brings death. When we try to do it our way and we don't go to God, and we try to fulfill these longing desires in our hearts or these selfish, evil desires in our hearts, whatever they are, apart from God and His wisdom, it brings death in the end. Sure, it's fun in the beginning. I mean, who said sin isn't fun? It can be absolutely fun. But I tell you what, I don't know how many years of drug abuse when it starts to wear off and you start to go downhill. Have you ever met anybody like that? You know, in other situations that are probably not appropriate for right now. It starts to wear off and the effects of sin start to tear in and people are just torn up inside. Oh, in the end, it leads to death. God wanted to give you life. And people mock marriage. They mock the things of God that are meant to protect you and give you life and joy. God's wisdom is not man's wisdom. Man's wisdom says, go shack up with whoever you want. Do it now. Fulfill those desires. Go find out who's compatible with you. What a lie. You've been lied to. You're totally lied to. You're deceived. Wait upon the Lord, and He will give you the desires on the, of your heart. He will. And He goes on. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift. Do you want good and perfect gifts in your life? They're from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. In other words, the Father who created the heavens and life. The things that never turn off. That are internal. Who does not change like the shifting shadows of relationships and the laws that govern the land. He chose to give birth to us through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Go to your father for that good and perfect gift in your life. If you're in a trial, don't be deceived. The answer is through Jesus. The answer is through your father. The wisdom you need. Don't escape to the world. Go to your, go, don't escape through all these other ways. Go to the Lord. Repent. Call out to Him. And you know, if you feel like you're double-minded this morning, how many of you feel like you're double-minded? Remember that guy who said, you know, oh Lord, please heal my daughter if you can. Jesus turns out and says, if I can? What do you mean if I can? I don't deal with if I can't. Are you for me? And he goes, Man, I believe, but help my unbelief. I just, this is where I am. All right. As long as you know where you are. <laughs> you know where you are, because I already know where you are. And the circumstances bringing it out. Lord, I'm double-minded. Help me, God. 
And Jesus spoke to his daughter and healed him. If you're double-minded this morning, go to the Lord. Notice he says, he brought, he brought us forth through the word. Go into the word, that rock, the teachings of Jesus Christ. If your life is being blown one way or the other this morning, spend some time in prayer. Go to him right away. Spend some time in the word. Lord, help me. And let patience and perseverance happen. And we'll talk about this more. We'll finish up chapter one next week. But let that work happen in you this week. Don't resist it. Don't go to the world. Don't try to medicate it. Go to Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word. And I thank you that, uh, gosh, these trials have produced fruit in our lives. They've changed us from men and women who seek after ourselves to just a total abandonment to you. And I pray that the pressures of these life, this life would cause us not to give in to whatever we can do to escape, but to throw our hands up and say, Lord, I can't do it. Come do the work in me. Help. Save. Your word says that you're a strong tower. You're like a mighty fortress. And we can run into you and be safe. Lord, that while the storms of this world are flying around us, Lord, and things are being ripped apart, our faith transcends that. You transcend that. That our home can be in your heart, in your hands, if we would just let it. Lord, by your Spirit, minister to your people today. Draw us from the world again, Lord. Put us back in your arms. Cause us to cry out to you. Cause us to forsake the idols. Cause us to forsake the ungodly relationships. Cause us to forsake the deception, Lord. And give us every perfect and good gift, Lord, that we need. Encourage our souls today. Lord, we want to thank you for the perfect and good gift for the mothers in this room. We want to ask, Lord, that as they are built upon trials, Lord, <laughs> that you would encourage them this year. That your spirit would fill these women, Lord. That the wisdom would come from you, Lord Jesus. That you'd give them perseverance as so much weight is placed upon them. And Lord, that they wouldn't react in anger as we'll get into, Lord, but uh, that we would have that... <laughs> Patience, Lord, that you desire that slow to speak uh, heart. So I just pray for the mothers, Lord, this week that you'd encourage them. Bless them as they go. Help them to have joy this week and take away the frustration, Lord. We love you, God, and we thank you for saving us. We ask that you give us the eyes of Jesus as we go out into the world, that this wouldn't be a church service, Lord. Be a time when your people are gathered together to be lifted up so that we could go do the work that you've called us to do. In the name of Jesus, amen.